1: My next guest is a self-confessed podcast nerd. He made his first piece of on-demand radio in 2004 and started his first RSS-based podcast in 2008. He has spent over a decade building tools, producing educational resources, and helping new and emerging podcasters start their show and reach more people. In 2016, Mark started Podient, a podcast hosting, analytics, and distribution company which he sold in 2021 to a company called Castos. In this episode, Mark talks through some important lessons learned on his journey and how to balance passion projects and good commercial sense to create a sustainable business model. He also discusses some of the deciding factors around when and why to exit your business. I hope you enjoy the show. This is Mark Steadman. G'day, Mark. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure, indeed. Um, You know, we're just chatting offline there and I'm saying I'm I'm so interested in hearing your story, given that you've got such a a broad background in podcasts and here we are recording a podcast. Indeed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Obviously, very keen to have a bit of a chat about Podient and and your journey and your transaction and the things you did there, but maybe maybe you could kick us off with a little bit of your background and, and how you got to that point. Absolutely. So
0: I was uh, I left my previous job as a sort of web uh, web developer in a design focused sort of user experience focused agency um, five years ago. So that's 2016 now. And I went freelance for a bit. And, and that was kind of going to be what I was going to do, just uh, do some freelance stuff, do some content production, uh, some podcast production for people, because it was a medium that I fell in love with back in um well, around 2004, uh, you know, I made my first um, sort of RSS-based podcast in 2008 and uh, worked with with other people producing their shows and and just, you know, fell, fell into the medium. But then in 2016, doing a few things, running a couple of shows, I got to the point where having built a podcast network before, having built what I described as the world's most technically advanced podcast network that no one listened to, <laughs> I... I decided to, um, I thought, okay, well, I can take what I've been learning here. been working with the radio station on their podcast stuff. I I think I want to build a hosting product. I think um, there are things that I believe that other hosting companies at the time, this is five years ago before things re-exploded, that hosting companies weren't really taking the user experience all that seriously. And um, I I, I really built it to, to scratch my own itch. I built something that I wanted to be quick- that uh, I knew that uh, every good uh, podcast has a, well, one of the keys to a good podcast is a good podcast website and making sure that there is an episode for each player, uh, an episode, sorry, a page for each episode with the player and with the show notes and all that stuff. Um, And so I wanted to make sure that I built something that would make that really easy. So I could just upload my MP3, write a few show notes, and there I would have my own website uh, with, uh, you know, maybe there's a couple of themes that I can pick between. And so I started to build it. And therein, I think I, I sort of made my first fundamental mistake and, and it kind of ended up being the mistake that that uh, was a through line throughout my, my whole time with Podiums is that I criminally underpriced what the service was. Um, and it wouldn't be something that I would realize until I came to exit, until I came to start looking at other services again. You know, obviously I did that a few years ago. And was using a few different services, but it wasn't until I came back and I realised even with the explosion in twenty eighteen of lots of other companies doing the same kind of thing, I still had a service that um, took the user experience really seriously, but was also really feature packed. Um, But I priced myself into a corner, and as a result, kind of priced my customers into a corner. And because obviously I know we'll talk about the the, uh, acquisition, but. Um you know if if you if you move from one service to another that that other service might be wonderful, but if there are a couple of things that that service lacks that you've taken for granted and maybe no one else does or maybe someone else does at a premium and you've been charging a lot less for it, then no one actually ends up having a good time when that transaction happens because now people yeah. feel disappointed, you know. Yeah yeah that's really interesting because it's um you know this whole concept
1: of of pricing and I'm curious was it was it just the level of the price was not right or was it the model the actual pricing model or was it both
0: it's yeah it's interesting i think the pricing model itself was was perhaps part of the issue because i was i deliberately wanted to charge a, a flat fee i mean there is a whole other history about how how it was priced in uh, right at the beginning which um I don't know if it's worth us going into, but there was a whole different discussion around uh, it was based on a sort of pay what you can afford model uh, at the beginning because it was built as a side project and it was, you know, built as a, out of a, a passion project. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, I pivoted and that, and that started to change. But when the pricing was sort of more formalized, it was still, it was, you got everything. I mean, there were two tiers, but they weren't based on what everybody else bases their pricing on so everybody else bases on either the number of downloads or the bandwidth uh, allocation or the number of minutes and i think uh, you know uh, the the duration of your audio which i think is probably the best model and there's only really one company that's doing that most of the people um, price on quantity of downloads or uh, or bandwidth and i always thought that was i never wanted to price like that because who can predict that you know what I mean? When you're starting a new show, how can you budget? How can you adequately predict? Well, I think it's going to get X amount of downloads. And the reality is it's probably going to get 10 times less than that, um, yeah. you know, to begin with, uh, certainly. And and then what happens when you become successful, you sort of get penalized for that success. But so there was that, but but also just the actual numbers themselves were, were too low. Um, and it was because I wanted people in the tent um, and I wasn't prepared to... Stand by my product. I didn't have the confidence of of the work I'd put in and the work I was continuing to put in, and how much, how seriously I took it, how seriously I took customer service and trying to delight customers and make sure that they, you know, even when there were issues, they knew what those issues were. Even when I screwed up, I was, you know, um, I acted, uh, tried to act with integrity and let people know. Yeah, you know, I screwed up here. I'm not going to blame it on some third party provider. All of those things are valuable and should have been baked into the price and, and, and weren't. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's
1: one of those fundamental things, isn't it? It's, uh, and I can see where you're coming from, though. Like a passion project, you actually you're just wanting people to have a good experience and you want it to get out yeah. there, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. So talk us a little bit through what Podiant did a little bit more like it's just, you know, just for those who aren't sort of real podcast experts. And I
0: throw myself in that mix too, by the way, (laughs) of course. Um, so when you have a, um, so there are some companies that help you make the audio and uh, for, for a podcast episode. And I, I sort of I, I didn't get into that that aspect of things. So it assumes that you start with a an MP3 file. You start with your episode. You know, it's a, it's a file there. It's about twenty megs, however big it is, um, and that is your audio. And with that, you are going to have a title and uh, what we call show notes, which is just a description of the episode. Um, and, you know, some links and stuff like that. And you want to be able to put that up on the on the web so that people can listen to it so that they can subscribe to it in their favorite podcast app. Uh, and the way that's typically done is you sign up for a podcast hosting service who specialize in dealing with these sorts of files, um, working in uh, a standard that means uh, other podcast apps recognize your show as being a podcast. Um and that's what I wanted to build. And so at the time, the big competitors were Libsyn and uh, Blueberry and, to a degree and uh, probably Buzz uh, Buzzsprout, although they now have exploded and have become the biggest. Um, back then, they, they weren't quite as big. Um, and none of those really, they, they were designed in 2005 and stayed that way um really and it you know and and that to me was just not you know having come from the background i'd come from i just i I couldn't couldn't stomach that (laughs) (laughs) fair enough fair enough um and what the service then did, like as I mentioned earlier, is um, which is something that only a small handful of, of companies do, is that I wanted to bundle not just a basic website, you know, Libsyn gives you a basic website for your podcast, but I wanted to build something that was much more fully featured and much more flexible and allowed you to actually get in and edit the templates and you know mess around with the colors in a more meaningful way and fonts and all that kind of stuff um, so that you had a, a podcast website that was unique to you but was also really easy to maintain and came out of the box and that so that was the other sort of big main feature um, of, of what I wanted to provide yeah nice and and
1: how, how big did the, the did, did the business get I mean you know did you have other people on the team now you sort of coding and programming, doing different things for you. What what did did that
0: look like? It was almost always uh, just myself and uh so i did yeah i i you know i i did the coding i wrote the blog posts i did the you know the branding design based on an illustration from a friend i did you know i picked the fonts and the colors and uh, and all that stuff um and i wrote all the python code that um that powered the service and did all the you know to begin with anyway did all the customer service stuff um as uh things progressed i, I got some help and uh, mostly in the, the customer service department and but then it was still you know one or two people um occasionally i i think i i might have hired a developer to solve a particular problem um for me that i wanted to to do but really it was it was you know i i, I did i did the lot <laughs> yeah yeah interesting
1: it's and and clearly you've got that the beyond the coding skills i mean you've come from a customer experience sort of background right so you understand that journey and and what needs to happen and and so you've you have this is going from sort of twenty eighteen. What, what, how many clients
0: did you sort of get to? What, what did all the, all of that sort of look like? We sort of grew and, and, and sort of shrank um, because it began, and this is sort of the part of the the troubled story, if you like, the, or the the history of it, which I've I've always talked to people about. Is that we. Because the doors were, were sort of thrown open on a pay what you can uh, afford basis, to lots of people that just meant free. And so we got lots of people because the offer was sort of made in a some might call it naive way, um, it was me sort of trying to offer something with humility and 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 a little bit of generosity. What ended up happening is that people who could quite easily afford to host their podcast on a, on a professional service were doing so. Uh and so we got to we got into the the multiple thousands of uh, of customers. Um I say customers, you know, very few of them were, were actually paying. And so what we ended up doing is when I started pivoting to mandatory pricing is we opened up a community program. And so uh, people could reapply if they wanted free hosting, if they could demonstrate that their podcast was providing a a service to a a perhaps underserved community, um, then absolutely they they would get a free ride for as long as Podium existed. That ended up sort of changing again because people people would uh, apply with with that and, and i think genuine intention and then they would pivot and suddenly it became a business podcast and uh, yeah, yeah. you know I had to have those conversations with people but um at the time we ended we were we were at about 500 customers um which puts us in the smaller tier but in terms of industry notability or, or, or clout i guess we we carried a much bigger stick. We yielded a much bigger stick than than people assumed we did. If that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense as a sentence. Um, but <laughs> our bark was a lot, you know, uh, was a lot louder than our bite. Let's say, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, sure, yeah. I mean,
1: you, you, your footprint was probably bigger than your foot. <laughs> it was, yes, yeah, <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely perfect, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and that's something uh, I'm really proud of. And and that comes from being passionate about the industry. That comes from being an advocate for the industry and advocating for, for people who are on, on the independent side of, of podcasting um, and, and not being afraid to share my opinions and, and fight for those opinions and, and make a stance and have an opinion and all that stuff. Um, And so, you know, we, when new partners uh new companies were spinning up in the space they would come to podium um we would be one of the early companies that people would come to you know amazon being being one of them when they started uh moving in we they were one of the first we had really um, early conversations with uh, people at descript uh pod chaser these are companies who are in that space very sort of uh, respected names and they came to podium because they knew that we had a stance and we, we cared about the industry, even if we didn't necessarily have the numbers that um, a larger organisation would.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. And unfortunately, I guess human nature being what it is, you get a large amount of people who just take advantage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. But uh, so, so tell me, what, where was the sort of turning point for you that you started thinking about taking on an investor or an acquirer?
0: um it was it all happened so there have been lots of conversations lots of people have as i've put it before sniffed around poliant especially in 2018 when Spotify acquired Anchor. Anchor had already pivoted to providing podcast hosting. They were doing something slightly different. They were like an audio Twitter. Uh, and then they pivoted to podcast hosting. Spotify acquired them. Then they started to buy up lots of other, uh, companies and people really started to turn their heads and go, okay, podcasting is now another thing. It had its boom in 2014. It's having another boom now. Um, and that, that bubble is still continuing to, to grow and it is a bubble. Um, I, I, I'm sort of fairly sure of that. Um, and so I'd had lots of conversations with people over the years, but none of them had ever really come to it because I always valued the business quite a bit higher than people were prepared to pay because I saw the potential in it. And, and, but of course, because of the pricing model and because of, of my lack of confidence in pricing, that was never reflected in the MRR. Um, and so that would always sort of be the, the, you know, the, um, the, the way the conversation would uh, would end and and i always said to people this just got great potential and this that and the other it, it just needs marketing and that was never really the case it was it was just the, i think the positioning was wrong um and so it it was around march i think this year where i started to think okay i think i've taken podium as far as i can now um, it's the best thing I've ever done I'm hugely proud of the service and what I've been able to achieve um, I've made a tiny little dent in the universe in, t- in terms of the, the podcast industry um, you know I, 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 I've made the news uh, and, and you know that all, all of that felt really nice and, and felt like an achievement I think my customers who I always regretted not being able to work more closely with and that sort of taps into what i do now but my customers you know i wanted to make sure that their work continued to have a home even if i was going to step away and so at that point i thought okay i've had conversations with someone in the past it's time now that we look at um you know making an acquisition so that i can step away um i don't have to value the business in quite the same way because yeah i i'm not in the position to take podium to give it what it needs and it really was that it was. I don't have the energy anymore. I also don't have some of the skill set um, to be able to to take Podium to, to where it deserved to be.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. Uh, you mentioned before um, MRR being obviously monthly recurring revenue. Um, t- take me back to so does a, bus- a business like Podium does that. Um, how, how does a business like that normally get valued? Is it to do with the MRR or is there some other kind of yeah. methodology?
0: It, it tends to be th- there are a few different ways, um, and I am not. This is part of the problem. I am not a uh, a business school graduate, so I will tread very carefully because I will almost certainly say something wrong. But there are different ways that the businesses can be valued um, it, it, it of this sort. Some might see it just as a, as a straight up software acquisition. For some people, it's about acquiring the customers. Uh, for some, it's about acquiring the brands, uh, the brand, and so obviously then. The value is going to be commensurate with with you know how you are as a as an acquirer valuing that business. Are you valuing it based on the, the you know as we say in the u k the bums on seats are you valuing it based on I can get access to this number of people in which case then you're looking at the the monthly active users i guess um are you acquiring the technology and that was a conversation that i that I had and got quite a long way with um in in you know which was valued very differently, and so it really does depend when you're buying a business, what are you actually buying? Are you buying the code that made the thing? Are you buying the brand and the story? Uh, There's one company who simply wanted to uh, to tell the story of having acquired podiums. They weren't interested in keeping the customers on, uh, which is why this this deal fell through. they 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 didn't want to retain the customers. They didn't want to import those customers into their service. They just wanted to be able to tell the story of X company has acquired Podiums, and so they valued it very differently. Like I said, another company wanted to buy the tech, and then the um the company that that ended up acquiring Podiums um wanted to actually value to the customers and wanted to work with those customers and wanted to to bring them on. They already had the tech, so for them it was about buying the the brand and and the customers. Yep. Okay,
1: interesting. And so so what sort of uh how did they come up with a number? Did they did they explain a methodology? Do they pick one of those methods that you just mentioned and throw a number around it? Or how how, how, did, how did that sort of evolve?
0: What ended up happening is I gave them a number and I said, This is this is where I'm gonna be. This I, I I'm ready now to make a move, because I'd already gone almost up to the end of the conversation with the previous with with two people, uh, but one of them was, was actually going to acquire the entire stack because that was a missing part in their, in their portfolio. They had lots of other things uh, podcast related in their, say in their portfolio, but they didn't have this particular technology stack. And so it was going to be value valuable for them. And we got really far. We, we signed a, uh, agreements and all sorts of stuff. And, um it sort of didn't happen and while that was not happening because i'm a one-man band that was where my focus was and so i then was at the point where i sort of had to say okay uh we're now at a point where i i need to my, my customers need to find a new home for their stuff um and so i kind of set a price to to the acquirer and just said listen this is this is where I am sort of take it or leave it because I just you yeah. know at that point I was like I've got nothing to lose here's the number and um, um sort of we had a conversation around that
1: yeah that makes sense too. It's interesting my one of my previous guests I was just chatting to earlier today actually um we were just talking about the power of knowing your walk away price um mm. you know in terms of a negotiation and and how it actually just actually makes it takes a lot of the emotion out of things. It's like it, it is what it is, and I'm okay to walk
0: <laughs> absolutely um and I think because i'd done i knew i'd done everything i could now uh there there wasn't much more because like i said all the pricing before all the valuation was based on there is so much more i can do with podiums and then i kind of just thought actually i i don't know if there is i could keep building features everybody can keep building features that's not the problem um it's something more fundamental and and yeah yeah when you started podium did you
1: have in mind at the time that it might turn into something that you wanted to sell
0: down the track it was always a i don't know about possibility but yeah it was it was always something that, that was in in my head and and actually those were conversations i had really early on in terms of well actually they weren't in terms of uh, acquiring but they were in terms of getting serious investment because i did seek it um very early on in the process and um it, it just Again, pre-2018, it just never – it wasn't sexy enough for um, these, these – a big New York investor that I was working with had the money, but it just wasn't a sexy enough proposition. He couldn't see that 10x return. Um I feel like I've just forgotten what your question was. <laughs> no, I've just, was just got off uh, on another tangent. No, no,
1: no. You well, you answered the question. It was, it was, it was whether you'd sort of thought Podium might turn into something that, you know that was worth selling, and you know, really was exiting and sales. I guess part
0: of the the plan in, in the beginning. I think. I, I think again, possibly coming back to that naivety. I think I wanted to build something that was that spoke to me that served me and the people that I thought I could serve but also had this sort of dream of an acquisition and I don't I don't know if you can have both of those ideas I think you have to choose a path it's like the sort of I think lifestyle business can sometimes get a bit of a negative rap but I think there's a lot to be said for having a business that sustains you and sustains your family and you know uh keeps keeps you warm and allows you to grow as a person and all that kind of stuff versus building something to be acquired. And it was never really fair for me to try and keep a foot in both camps because then you're you're not really serving um, either camp particularly well because you will one day make decisions based on, Community aspect, then you'll make a, you know a decision the week after based on well this will be this feature will look great for someone who will want to acquire the business and I think you you kind of have to choose a choose a
1: path yeah yeah no, that's interesting given the how wonderful and clear hindsight is. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> If you were to, you know, you look back at uh, at the history of Podium, like if you were to sort of go back to your former self and say, hey, listen, we're going to build a company that we're going to sell and really try to maximise the value of, you know, what kind of advice would you give
0: to your former self back in that time? Get help. Uh, <laughs> that sounds more aggressive, <laughs> but, um, yeah, seek, <laughs> seek advice. Genuinely, like, um, yeah, you need to – because I, I – done startupy things before and I joined an accelerator uh, for, for a previous project. And there is that romanticism of the the sort of lone bedroom coder who builds this thing. And actually, the reality is they, they don't. They build the thing, but then they work with someone who takes that thing and helps shape it into uh, a product. And that was what I was missing. I think I don't necessarily mean I needed a business partner or a managing director or something, but what I certainly needed was someone who could provide more than just being able to bounce ideas off of whether that be a coach, whether that be a mentor, I think really, you know, a, a mentor who was prepared to uh, spend time and actually help um, call me onto my BS or um, keep me accountable to certain things, stop me going off into, into tangents. And, um, I think something like that, and and I know uh, I I only found this out, you know, in the last sort of couple of years that it's become more of a fashion now for companies to, uh, to bring on a sort of advisory board. And one of my big competitors, that's how I I found out about this is they have that, you know, they've got a a journalist who, whenever he talks about this company has to disclose that he is on this, this company's advisory board. Um, And that is hugely useful if you can if you can get a couple of people who who know the industry it requires again if you've got that sort of bedroom coder uh, aspect that i can build this whole thing maybe you've got a little bit of a complex there of thinking i know all the answers because i know this industry yeah you might know this industry but you might not also know how certain aspects work and so i think um hindsight being what it is i i would have more clearly said to myself you need to find some people who can mentor you find a coach find someone that you can sit down with and get real guidance from yeah,
1: yeah, I, I think that's fabulous advice. You know how hey, the, the Olympics are on right now, right? I mean, we see all the best of the best in whatever field. They have coaches, right? They have people yeah. who are there saying hey, buddy, you need to do this, that, and the other. And so that, that perspective, I agree, is, is important. I think there's also another element too, and I'm, I'm sort of reading between the lines or, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but it's also, a, a, I guess, a sense of you, you can't do everything yourself. You can't be the expert at everything. And, you know, you can be the world's greatest coder, but it doesn't mean
0: you're great at sales and marketing or whatever it might be, right? Absolutely yeah and and even and even pricing i mean I'm still having conversations now as i as I move into more of a consultancy role and as i'm moving into um courses and and um coaching and things like that in terms of of podcasting, I still run up against the same thing I still have conversations with people going, Martin, 'Mar you're pricing it way too low, and so you need to be able to have people who will say you know th- this is you 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 need someone who's going to challenge some of those fundamental um, mi- misconceptions or preconceptions that you have about your own business and, and yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah perfect sense. So tell me, uh, you, you started chatting to buyers. You know, from that from the time that you'd sort of decided, look, it's probably time. How long did it take f- to start reaching out to buyers and then go through a process and actually seal it, seal a deal?
0: You know, it was actually fairly quickly um the the you know i was i was having conversations with people within a couple of days uh, of of making the decision wow. and then from there yeah the, the, really i think those the, those actual conversations happened fairly fairly quickly um because i think Possibly because I was only really working with people who already intimately knew the space, and they they sort of knew me to a degree as well. I you know might have spoken either on Twitter DMs or or other things um, similar, or over email or whatever. Um, and so we already had that kind of working relationship to a degree, um, and and so yeah, it, because originally when I was thinking. I, I was really looking about what do I do next? So like, do I get a job? And so that was how the conversations originally started was, hey, listen, I think I'm going to walk away. Um, I'd like to work within an organization or within a company that's doing similar things now. Let's first have this big conversation about how we make sure that, that everyone, that all my customers are taken care of. And so that's, that's sort of how those conversations began rather than thinking specifically about, I want to get X amount of money for for all the work I, I was doing it really was about I've reached the end of the line here my primary concern now and you can look at this cynically and say "Yeah, so if you want to continue a career in podcasting one thing you don't want to do is completely wreck your reputation by saying hey everyone service is closed bye bye you know <laughs> um <laughs> but it was important to me completely uh to make sure that that people were taken care of and that's why the the, the conversation with with the the, the company that acquired us, uh, I keep like I can say the name. It's Castos. It's not a secret. Um, so Castos acquired acquired Podium, and they were the last pe- people I spoke to because Craig demonstrated really early on how hard he was going to work to make sure that the customers were taken care of. And and although they are very different services, I was completely sold by the confidence that he had, speaking to his tech team as well, meeting with them, saying, yeah, like, we know how we're going to import this stuff and, and uh, all that stuff. And so that's where that that conversation happened. And, yeah, it was actually quite quick. It was all the, you know, the escrow and all the 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 other legal things that took much longer. But the actual conversations happened within a couple of weeks, really.
1: Wow that that's very quick I mean and and I I get it from the perspective that you are in a real kind of nichey sort of space, um, and so therefore everybody does kind of know each other, and therefore <laughs> yeah, it makes the conversations a lot easier. But uh, but still, it's um, yeah, that is a very very quick time frame, and and I I can also relate to the whole legals aspect of it sometimes taking longer than the rest of the deal. Um, <laughs> I've uh, unfortunately seen too many of them struggle through that part of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um so what's your role now what what are you doing these days
0: uh so uh, at the moment i am um doing podcast production uh, consultancy and coaching. So I'm working with new and emerging podcasters. I'm working with um, people like yourself who have podcasting as part of what I consider a, a, the the uh, complete marketing breakfast. Um, so it, it's it's people who, um, yeah, have businesses. They want to use podcasting as a way of supporting what they do, of spreading their message, working with purpose as one of the the, the key things to help people identify. It's not just about, you know, the ego, a podcast like this is telling a very specific story and helping um founders and and people who are exiting you know tell their story, you know exactly what what your podcast is for, who it serves and how they benefit. And that's one of the big things that I'm working with with people now to help them understand that. And so um, I'm in the process now of uh building up a course library um that unlike a sort of Udemy, you know, you buy a $20 course, it's actually much more on yes, there's a video library. But the the key aspect is monthly Q and A sessions live on Zoom, where you get to work with myself and other other people who've been in this space for a long time, get your questions answered, and meet other podcasters, speak to them on WhatsApp, be in contact, constant conversation, and start to get that help so that you're not feeling like you're going it alone. Which you know mirrors exactly the conversation we've been having. Podcasters have the same thing. You know, it's just like starting a business. People think you can do so much of this alone. And um, part of what I'm trying to do is, is help people realise, A, you shouldn't, and B, you don't have to, and C, you know, there are options here, there are people you can talk to, um, and there are ways that we, that, that we can grow and improve together, not just about me saying, i oh, have got this, you know, wisdom that I want to dispense. It's actually more about when we all collaborate and connect together, sharing different ideas and working together as a group, there's like amazing things that we can, um, we can achieve yeah absolutely so that's I what think I'm doing. That's,
1: yeah no that's brilliant and and certainly I mean we certainly didn't even kick off this podcast without help either it's just you just couldn't do it it's I just think it makes per- perfect sense and um, so so perhaps for the uninitiated I mean maybe, maybe you could can you give us a bit of an idea as to how a company might use a podcast in a podcast in their marketing mix and you know what why would they do it
0: Um, So a great way that you can add a podcast in uh, right now with minimal effort, but also having a a good amount of impact is by repurposing your blog posts. So taking the work that you're doing uh, already as part of your content marketing and reading those blog blog posts out in a sort of friendly way. Uh, Sometimes it helps if you... Rather than read it verbatim, you can bullet point out and then allow yourself to have a bit of improvisation, um, so that it sounds much more natural. But from there, what you're what you're allowing people to do is consume that content. Yes, you know, a few people will say, "Hang on, that's just the same content as as on the blog post." Fine, but what you're doing is you're allowing people to consume that on their time while they're doing other things. Um, so, you know, the wonderful thing about the podcast medium is I could be absorbing. Uh, amazing new knowledge. I could be absorbing a story about a startup or an exit while I'm doing the dishes, while I'm walking the dog. You know, what whatever. Um, those that is a, a really valuable gift that you can give to uh, the people that you want to serve is you can give them time um, because you're allowing them to receive your message in a way that actually. Um, saves them time because they're not having to to sit and read through. So that is a really quick way of doing it. Um, you can get started really quickly and easily. Um, one of the things I'm working on at the moment is helping people demystify the idea of editing so that it doesn't feel like every podcast needs to be edited, but it doesn't have to feel like a chore. And it also doesn't have to involve a load of scary looking software. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's 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 a uh the the sort of repurposed blog content is a great gateway into into that and then from there you can start having conversations whether it's on services like like the one we're using like riverside or squadcast uh we can have conversations with people remotely edit those down make some really compelling bits of audio start sharing those little bits of audio on linkedin as video posts there's you know from one nugget of an idea, from one single idea, you can start to create uh, a lot more content that builds trust and creates intimacy with your listeners. Because um, the, I'll, I'll, I've been speaking for a long time, but I will finish it by saying my, one of my, my, my biggest realizations is that we, as a podcast, we have the opportunity to go from people's via, we, we go from the ears into the brain. And then from there, by building trust, we go, we get into people's hearts um, by, by, being honest and being open and building that trust and intimacy, we really do go from ear to brain to heart. And a podcast is such a great way of being able to do that.
1: That's great, and you didn't talk too long at all. I thought it was excellent. Uh, You know, I think people who are thinking about this sort of stuff, I mean, if they're anything like I am, I kind of looked at a podcast initially and went, oh, my God, I wouldn't know where to start, and that all just sounds too technical and all very scary and intimidating. And, um, And having somebody like yourself who can break it down and actually explain it and, you know, Really democratize this as a medium um, is is fantastic, and I, I love what you're saying about the ears to the brain to the heart because you know <laughs> blogs are great. You know I think we all you know the term blog is so ubiquitous these days, but w- blogs like email miss tonality and mm, yeah, p- p- people. You know, you you can read a document or a blog or whatever and get a sense of somebody's style, but when you hear the tone of their voice and you, you you pick up on emotions and you feel empathy and and all those sort of wonderful things that the written word unfortunately
0: struggles to impart. It's so much more. I hesitate to use the word primal, but it's it's much more instinctive because. Before we we taught ourselves language, before we taught or before we taught ourselves written language, and before we developed that as as a means of communication, we spoke to each other. And that, you know, the human voice is one of the first things we hear. And it is it is an instrument that that we have access to that you know everyone has, has some degree of access to and so that's why i think it does build that intimacy much more than the written word um can because yeah there's so much of that, that emotion is built into it that there's also vulnerability and there's strength and there's all sorts of things that are built into the voice that we don't think about um but but are are absolutely there yeah that's excellent um mark
1: I'm going to put you on the spot in a minute and ask if there is, is one tip you might share with your fellow sort of business owners and entrepreneurs um, but before I do that um, is it okay for people to reach out to contact you like you know and if so, how would they yeah. go about that?
0: Absolutely. Um, I'd love for people to get in touch. My email address is mark at origin.fm. So M A R K uh, at origin.fm. If you want to reach out and say hello, uh, always always happy to um uh to to hear our you know if there's something I can help with. That's my website as well. origin.fm. gives you a little bit of information uh, about what I'm up to. Um, I've got a newsletter and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, start start with there and um uh, and hopefully uh, we can have a chat.
1: Awesome. Is and is it okay for people to reach out to you on LinkedIn
0: or Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you'll find me. Um, my username there is amarkstedman. So linkedin.com slash in slash amarkstedman is uh, where mm. I am there. Cool.
1: Well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll put some links, I guess, to the show notes to your website and your LinkedIn as well. So, um, if anyone's interested in, uh, in reaching out and certainly if you've got questions about podcasts or you've thought about this or you're thinking about a, a different edge to the, to the marketing for your business, um, then I think reach out to Mark and have a chat because, um, it, it's certainly, well, you're listening to this podcast. So it's obviously something <laughs> in it for you. So, yeah. um, that's awesome, Mark. Thank you. And, and mate, you know, hindsight business, all this sort of wonderful stuff is, is there a, is there one thing that uh, you, you'd love to impart with, with other business owners on their journey?
0: Um, unhelpfully, I sort of already, already have, um, uh, you know, in that, I, I really think it's about not trying to, to go, uh, uh, go it alone, stop and ask for directions. Um, whether, you know, maybe you think you you are the, the sort of the lone founder and that's, that's the story you want to tell yourself. That's fine. I think, um, but stop and ask for directions. You don't have to try and navigate this whole space on your own. It's absolutely okay. And, and I think needed to have a group. So very quickly, uh, I, the the thing that changed my life is I joined um, uh, a, a sort of coaching group last year called the Happy Startup School. They're based in Brighton in the UK. Uh, they're all, all over the world. Uh, and, and it's a, it's a global community, but they also do these business development workshops. And it's the, the, Best thing I ever did. Um, and it's it helped me realize how fundamentally useful it is to have a group of people who can help you. I mean, the, the the number of times I'm in the WhatsApp group asking a question, what do you think about this and getting really helpful answers? It's invaluable. So find find your people and, and um don't be afraid to reach out and, and ask for help. And um, yeah, that that's fundamentally I think the the best advice I can give that is brilliant find your people
1: and i'll add to that is that your vibe attracts your tribe so you know it's uh what you put out there is what you get back so keep an open mind and and you know you'll attract some pretty good people absolutely mark thank you so much i'm really grateful for your time i appreciate all the insights and um thanks for being on the show this is a real pleasure thank you The ultimate freedom is to own a company that is valuable, scalable, and saleable. Find out how you score on the eight factors that drive company value by completing the Value Builder Questionnaire. Upon completion, we will send through your business scorecard so you can see how to maximise the value of your company. Just go to exitadvisory.com.au forward slash scorecard. The Buy, Grow, Sell podcast is brought to you by Exit Advisory Group a boutique M&A firm that helps business owners maximize company value and exit at the top of their game. To learn more about Exit Advisory Group, you can go to exitadvisory.com.au. And if you like what you've just heard, you can subscribe at buygrowsell.com to get a new episode delivered to your inbox each week. Thank you for listening to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast with Simon Bedard. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit buygrowsell.com forward slash episodes. Simon is the founder and CEO of Exit Advisory Group, and you can follow him on
0: LinkedIn.